And a very good evening to you and welcome to People of Note on this Sunday evening. This program happens every Sunday from 6 to 8 and in it we talk to someone who is a person of note and listen to music of their choice. And my guest tonight is Michelle Henriksen, who is the Managing Director of Bocciabello. This is a non-profit organization which has been going for some 18 years now and Michelle is going to tell us what it does and how it does it and who's involved. Good evening. Thank you. Good evening to you. And welcome to the program. So tell us first of all what it is. Great. So as you said, Botsbello is a non-profit organization um, and our heart is to transform women and children's lives however we can. But we've chosen to do that through our three programs. Um, and the first is a baby's home for orphaned and abandoned children. So that's where we care for children who have been abandoned by their, by their mom or given up for adoption. Um, and we care for them in a home environment um, until they are placed in a forever family. And that's through reunification with their biological family or adoption. Um, and then the other two programs we run are within preschool education or early childhood development. And that is Urban Kids um, Edu Centre, which is a preschool for underprivileged children to attend. It's a brilliant quality education at a fraction of the cost. Um, there are 122 students in that school and it's chaos um, because imagine 122 um three to six year olds <laughs> it scares me it scares me anyway <laughs> and then the other program we run is a teacher training program that's where we train preschool teachers from um, impoverished communities how to teach preschool we resource them with equipment to teach with um, as well as quite extensive training on how to teach because they really don't know and so th these are women who haven't been educated themselves who are now educating the next generation of South Africa and they don't know how to do it but I guess many of them have had children of their own or Potent not? Potentially, yes. it depends. Some yeah. have, some haven't. Some are very young. Some are straight out of high school, weren't able to, if they if they matriculated, they weren't able to go to university and either their lady down the street or their mom perhaps runs a preschool and so they get involved. And I guess there must be lots of preschools in the many townships around South Africa because there are lots of working mothers. Yes, very many. Um, we work predominantly in uh, a township called Olivenhoedbosch, which is just on the edge of Centurion and Midrand. Um, but we're working more and more into Limpopo and KZN as we as we speak. But in Olivenhoedbosch, there are well over 85 preschools that we know of. There's probably more. Um, most of them are not registered with the department. Sort of started casually. Someone yes. said, I'll look after your children. Yes, absolutely. No. And these are women who have stepped up and seen a need in their communities. So there are children on the streets or their neighbor just kept dropping off <laughs> the no. child with them every day. And suddenly it turned into four or five. And now they have 30, 40, maybe even 60 kids in what we call a backyard crash. So it started out of an RDP house running out of a container. And it's, it's very cramped. And there's obviously a need for that. Yes. But it needs to be regulated in some way. Absolutely. And so the Department of Social Development until now and slowly into Department of Education does try to do that. But it's it, it's it's almost impossible and with the rate. it's an ever-growing yes. story. Yes. Oh. And and rurally you have you have the same problems. But urban, urban centers also have a major struggle. We find the children are being dropped off at 6 in the morning and picked up at 6 at night. And the teachers that are teaching them are working these 12-hour days. And they're exhausted. And, be, and earning well below minimum wage if you know if some of it you can't even call it a salary um, and so they're very dejected as women I'm, I don't I can't imagine going to my job every day and, and being told to do something but not knowing 
how to do it at all. And that's what these women are doing 60 hours a week. And so we're going in just saying, hey, you can. Like you can actually, you are capable, you are valuable, you are worth this and you can raise the next generation. So that's what we do through our teacher training program. But yeah, it's a massive need. It's it's almost staggering if yeah. you start to look at it. And, and never ending. Yes, it's never ending. It's certainly how it feels <laughs> most weeks. <laughs> all right. Well, we're going to talk about all this and unpack it as we go through this program. But let's listen to your first choice, which is a very cheerful one. Morning, talking about six o'clock <laughs> in the morning. This is by Pierre Ginsweet. Beautiful, gentle music. Morning from the Pierre Ginsweet by Edward Grieg, played by the National Symphony Orchestra. And that was the choice of Michelle Hinrichsen, who's my guest in People of Note. She's the managing director of Bello. Michelle, you mentioned, first of all, you mentioned orphaned and abandoned children. Yes. And since opening in 2000, it says here that you've cared for 178 children. And 160 of those have been adopted or reunified with their families. I, I guess... Prize number one is to be reunified with your family. Absolutely. Always prize number one to be placed back into adoptive homes. And, and in fact, our numbers have, have grown since those moments. Our year on year, our numbers are growing. And so we have actually cared for more than 215 babies now in our home. And, and yes, these could be from any age, literally from day of birth. Day of birth. Most of our babies actually come to us at birth, so within their first few weeks of life because that's the nature of our home. So we've we've made a decision as a baby's home to say if we focus our vision, we we get to say a really great yes to the children in our care. And so we actually only take in children between the ages of 0 and 2. If they're over 2, they don't we don't, you know, put them on the porch and say goodbye. They obviously stay with us right until they find a um, forever family. But the reason for making the choice to say what age that comes into us is because we can say a really great yes to them and give them the very best care and focus on that age group, um, young, young babies. And so most of our babies actually come to us at birth, so they're very, very tiny. And a lot of our babies are born prem. Um, The adoption agency that we work with who places the children in our care actually trust us and just a couple of other homes in Gauteng to care for prem babies because prem babies are triple the amount of care as a full term. So our babies are all very tiny. Most have been abandoned. Um, Some are given up for adoption. And when you say abandoned, it's literally that in some cases. It really is. You know, I think the the emotional scar on a on a child and a person of abandonment whether on a on a dumpster or in a hospital i think either way it's an incredibly incredibly difficult start to life we have had children who have been found on a rubbish dump by the guys who are looking for recyclable material. So we've had those children we've also had babies who have been signed over by mom saying i know i can't do this so it runs the gamut from all the way and we have children who are just left in hospital mom gives birth and then and then um leaves it's an incredibly delicate situation i i I work very hard and i remember often not to judge those moms they're in an incredibly incredibly difficult position so actually our job should start before that in educating people about having families yes yeah we we are failing we are failing young women to some degree in in the protection of them because we don't always know the circumstances that yeah, yeah. They, that lead to them um choosing abandonment or or even adoption but choosing abandonment and often will lash and say how could a mom do that yeah. and i think 
there's so many steps and there are people who have done um, a lot of research and a lot of writing about this in, in South Africa and they're doing an incredible job in advocating for these rights. But I think that a lot of ch- times that there's a lot of issues so they, no. they can't abandon safely because there's stigma in the clinics and the hospitals there's there's kickback from the nurses in the hospitals they're saying you can't leave your baby here because if you do we'll find you and and she gets really scared and so instead of taking that baby yeah, to yeah. a safe place she is forced almost to do it in the backyard and the other thing for me is she must how scary it must be to be potentially 16 15 years old we don't know and giving birth alone and now having to make this major decision, I just think it's it's much bigger than than how could she? I think no, no. I totally understand. Sometimes it's really not easy to to ju- we can't justify and you can't condone it, but it, it's a really tricky line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, your next choice, having had morning, we've now got an evening <laughs> piece. This is a Nocturne by Frederic Chopin, and it's played by Maria Joao Pires. Beautiful, calm, evening music by Frédéric Chopin. That was the Nocturne in E-flat major, played by Maria Joao Pires. And I should think Michelle Henriksen's life is anything but calm. Because <laughs> <laughs> with all these babies yes. and, and the sort of life that you must have to lead, how did you get into this? Um, sure, sometimes I forget the story. Um, when I was... Uh, just matriculated I went overseas for a a year and I studied at a college and while I was there I kind of just realized that I really loved South Africa and I really wanted to make a difference and my heart kind of bled for social justice so I came back and I started studying um, social work degree which I then switched around and fast forward met with my aunt who is actually a fundraiser for a, a local MPO in Gauteng and she's been doing it for 15 years now she's a fundraiser for them and I sat down with her and said how can I help you one day just you know let me volunteer yeah. finish studying and she explained her job to me and at the end of the coffee I literally said to her great I actually just want your job I <laughs> would love to do that I think fundraising would be so fabulous um, and so Shortly after that, I had a relationship with with Botsabello, and so they came on and said, you know, they took a risk on me because I was young and inexperienced, and they said, would you be our fundraiser? And I did, and sort of the rest is history. It's a passion for me. You don't work in this environment without being passionate about um, about, about this. Yeah. Yes, it's not something you fall into. Um, but yeah, Botsabello took a risk on me, letting me cut my teeth as a fundraiser in, in seven years ago now and, and I now have not back. Ah, <laughs> yeah. That scares me a little bit more. <laughs> Still taking risks on me. Yeah, but you obviously have uh, an uh, an organizing ability. Yes, I love strategy. Yeah. Yes, I love strategy. Strategy and pioneering things is really exciting for me. Um, I think that's why I do love the fundraising space as well. That will always hold a special place no matter what I do at Botavillo. It's it's something I love to do. It's all about it, it's strategy and seeing the bigger picture. And I love to do that. I love to do that, whether it's for Botavillo, I dream of the bigger picture for our country, all those things. And are you involved on a on a bigger scale? Because there must be, as you said, there were there are lots of these um backyard uh, schools or, mm-hmm. or care centers but there must be a larger movement of 
people because there must be other people like you. There are definitely lots of us lots of doing them. incredible work. Absolutely. Yeah. So we do try and link arms with them wherever we can. And we've actually made a really great partnership with uh, Duplo who, or Lego Foundation who hand out Lego into all of our schools and we've trained with them and they're really doing amazing things. There's lots of other examples yeah. like that. Um, yes, we try and link hands with wherever we can. I do not believe in any way that nonprofits are competing. We're not competing for the same piece of pie in the pot. It's we are all one and actually if we work together we can do more um, and so whether it's for the baby's home or for training teachers we work with whoever we can link arms with and, and continue to do yeah, it because yeah. I was involved for some years with Ntata Yise do you know Ntata Yise which is uh, it's farm schools basically mm. uh, and a similar sort of thing where uh, all the teachers from the different farm schools come together but it's also to do with early childhood development yes. obviously um, and the, I'll put you onto them because yes. they're wonderful. Yes, please. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, I think that we don't know what we don't know. And so as soon as people kind of, we can collaborate more. We landed up training in Hambrook in KZN. So it's just like a little village in the Drakensberg Mountains. And we landed up training there because one of our full-time volunteers from Scotland went on a holiday with her husband to this lodge and got talking of that she volunteers to these teacher training um, organization. And next thing you know, we're visiting Hambrook four times a year training 15 centers down there reaching hundreds of kids really yeah. by training their teachers so uh, we're going to listen to your next piece of music mm. and then you can tell us about volunteers because yes. obviously you have several of them yes we do we're going to hear something by maurice ravel next this is the a section from bolero that was the final section of Maurice Ravel's Bolero, played by the London Symphony Orchestra under Andre Previn. And actually, Bolero starts with just a single melody and builds up and builds up. It's a bit like uh, your organization, I guess, yes. which started small uh, and just grows and grows. Because as we said at the beginning, there's just a never-ending stream of young children who need help yes, and mothers absolutely. who need help. Absolutely. It was just a few people in um, 1999 and then in, in March of 2000 that, that said, we've got to do something, babies are being abandoned. And so the baby's home started. And then um, through the years, we've run a number of programs, but in 2011, it was just again, a handful of people who said, we have to do something about the education um, for for those who for don't the have the level. afford. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those who can't afford, I, I mean, there are really great schools in Gauteng and in South Africa, but not everybody, not everybody can afford that. Yeah. So yeah. It did start as a trickle, and now it feels like a, a gushing river. We have to try and keep it its banks every now and then. Yeah, I'm sure you do. And But that must be quite heartbreaking, too, is saying no to people when you take any more. Yes. Yeah, yeah I, I have this um, thing that's been rolling around my head for a little while now that sometimes we have to say a hard no so that we can say a really great yes. Um, and we can say a proper yes to someone. Otherwise, you fail them and you fail the person you said no to or the person you, if you say yes to everybody, you are going to fail someone. And we would rather really be excellent in the care we give, whether it's to babies or teachers. We really want to be excellent so, so that it can go deep and not wide. So talk to me about the volunteers. Yes. So actually, our music list is the prime example of great teamwork. You know, teamwork makes the dream work. Um, Lorraine Collins is a volunteer from Australia who's been with us for a few years now. And she was the one who was, I, I went to her immediately when I had to choose songs and said, you have to help me, Lorraine. So these are all her brilliant choices that we kind of worked on together. And for me, it really is. It's a, it's a conglomerate of people from all around the world, actually, that have have locked arms and said, like, let's make a difference. And so we have uplifted particularly our teacher training program 
is particularly there's three volunteer three staff members and four full time volunteers. So actually, the volunteers outnumber. We've got we feel like we call them the UN because we've got um, someone from Scotland, someone from the, from from England, someone from Australia. Australia you yeah. see, we're just spreading it out. We've even got someone from Germany who volunteers quite regularly. So yeah, we've got a fair amount of volunteers, and what they do is they strengthen us. Uh, our, what we can do, you know. So and we we treat Lorraine and, and the others. We treat particularly. To me, they're staff. I, I would, I honor them like staff. I think of them as staff. And I think if you don't, then what is the point of having volunteers? We often have um, international volunteers in our baby's home too. And so they spend, at the moment, we have um, a young couple that's spending six months with us just just caring for our children in our baby's home, just going shopping and taking them on outings and, and doing the random things that our staff can't always get to. Um, they're filling in shifts. And I just think it's an incredible for me, it's an incredible thing to see the world over come together in a tiny little town in, in you know, Midrand and make a difference together. It doesn't yeah. matter where you're from. Do you have local volunteers also? Yes, we do. We have loads of local volunteers in our baby's home, um, in our school and our teacher training. So these are people who have, obviously, with any kind of volunteering um there's always like the processes, but once they're through the processes and they're they're part of us, then they're part of us. They become family. They're hooked. And they're hooked. They can't get away from us. So, yeah, we have um, we have 41 staff and full time volunteers with us at Botsabello, um, of which most are women. <laughs> Actually, 39 are women. We only have two men on staff. Yeah. And I, I I just count every the volunteers are part of the 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 furniture for us. But now, after your next piece of music, mm. having 41 people on your staff also yep. takes a lot of money. It does. And buildings take up money. So <laughs> we're going to hear about that. But this is Perfect. the Toreadors song from Carmen. Robert Merrill, famous singer, uh, sings this song with the Vienna Philharmonic Orchestra. The famous Toreadors song from Carmen. By Bizet, Robert Merrill was the tenor with the Vienna Philharmonic Orchestra under Herbert van Karajan. The choice of Michel Henriksen, the managing director of Bozzabello, uh, an NPO looking after babies and young children and early education, early childhood development. We were talking about funding yes. because 41 staff members eats up a lot of money. It does. It's a great investment because I think we have 41 staff members, which means we have 41 people employed. Um, I love that idea. Uh, yes, absolutely. And so we, we, I always say that I can have, we, we use 26,000 nappies a year in our baby's home. And I, I always say I can have all those nappies, but if I don't have the hands to change them, I don't, I don't have anything. And so I want to choose to honor my staff always, but yes, funding is a thing. And so people often ask us, you know, what are your greatest needs? And there are multiple needs, but but cash generally is one of them. I think nonprofits everywhere that's kind of their thing is 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 cash. We we made the decision seven years ago to employ a, a fundraiser, and so now that I'm managing director, we have a, a fundraiser who's in place, and she's brilliant at diversifying that that income because I think we won't to pay those 41 staff members. We won't be able to to buy the food and and do the things if we're not able to diversify where our, our money comes from. So we run a secondhand shop that helps us generate an income for for those kinds of things, as well as. Um, DSD funding, um, lots of corporate income as well. I stand by the fact that South Africa is the most generous. Never, 
will never recant that. I think that South Africa is so generous. I've never seen a nation that just gives. Mandela Day is always the day that, that reminds me of that because people come from far and wide and give. and But they do that year-round as well. And so, yes, it, it does take a fair amount of of planning and strategy to make sure that we've got funding coming from as many places as we can. Yeah. Um, but also gifts in kind. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So if we, we, we estimated last year that we received probably about one and a half million rands worth of stuff stuff donated, so in-kind donations, yeah. so rather than cash. And, and all of that, if we had had to spend that, we would have had to find yeah, that, yeah, yeah. that money somewhere. So it really is a huge blessing. Okay, so for people listening to this program, mm. just give us an idea of the sort of help that you need apart from cash. We'll get okay, on to cash yes. later, but... Like nappies, for Absolutely. example. I nappies. mean, 26,000 nappies <laughs> sounds like a, a warehouse full. <laughs> it is a warehouse that we have to keep rotating. <laughs> yes, yeah, so nappies and formula, we, we use 16 big tins of formula a month. So those things are – and the other thing in our baby's home that stands is a discam voucher. And it seems really strange, but if we need medicine, that's where we go. So those are those are the kinds of things in our in our baby's home that, that would always help. Groceries are, are a huge help. The less we have to spend on those things, the better. And we also support lots of families in our community with food parcels wherever we can. So that stationery is always a huge help. Storybooks, you know, children read books and then they get over those books. Books are a huge help to us. Clothing? Clothing, from, I mean, from people clothing. who've had their children and have clothing yes. left over? Even adult clothing. So with that secondhand shop, as I mentioned, it's, it's a super big help. For an organization to, to receive all kinds of, of donations. So people often phone and say, can I bring an old lamp? Absolutely. We take we are the great purveyors of everything. And I think so people, if they're clearing out their house or they know their neighbors are, for me, if, if people are willing to donate their, their old clothes, their children's clothes, their toys, those things are really helpful. And how do they get hold of you? So the best thing would be to go to our website, which is um, botsabelo.co.za. That's um, B-O-T-S-H-A-B-E-L-O. Bot, yeah. Well, it looks like Botshabelo. Botshabelo, yes. www.botshabelo.co.za. They can also look us up on Facebook or else they can call us on 011-702-2141. Okay, those details I'll give out again. I'm talking to Michelle Hinrichsen, who is the Managing Director of Botshabelo, uh, which is an organization. Uh, the word Botshabelo means place to run to. Yes. And it looks after babies and early childhood development, and it looks after the world by the side <laughs> of it. <laughs> well, here comes the next choice, and I guess this uh, is something you have to do lots of. This is The Typewriter by Leroy Anderson. <laughs> Such a cute piece, that. The Typewriter by Leroy Anderson. That was the St. Louis Symphony Orchestra under Leonard Slatkin. The choice of Michelle Hinrichsen, or her team of helpers, I should say. And that does sound a lot like the emails I send every day. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. Yeah, I, I guess most of your time is taken up on admin and organizing other people. Yes, so yeah. so I am just involved with the team mostly and, and our side of things and making sure that we have good relationships with our donors as well as our staff. So both sides, in and out. And you have your own buildings. Yes, we do. So we are incredibly grateful for the partnership of Urban Life Church, who we rent our spaces from on their property, and they don't charge us nearly what it's worth. Um, and so we're grateful for that, but we do have our own buildings. Yes. And they're custom made for you. Absolutely. So yeah. they have been ours for the last 18, 19 years. And um, the school 
is um, on this massive it's it's all on a really big property and the school has this wonderful garden that's got ample space for 120 kids um, our baby's home has the most pristine gardens and we receive maintenance help from them so yeah one of the ways we've been able to to excel is by not having to pay the huge rental costs that I know can put a lot of others under yeah and are you're close are you close to some source of children Yes. Yeah, yeah. So the area that we're in, um, there it's lots of plots and those kinds of things. And so they're in the preschool that we run. So this is children who come to school. They have their own families. They attend our school, um, but they're from the surrounding area. So some of them come from Elevenhoek Bush, which is the township. So the parents have recognized that the, the local schools are not as good as urban kids. And so they send their children there. But most actually are groomsmen or gardeners children or correctional officers we're very close to Leacourt prison and so we have a quite a, f- a number of um, correctional officers children that come to our school um, so there is a vast array of people from from rich to poor in our area so let's uh, the babies is one story we're yes. now on to the sort of early childhood development center and how many kids do you have in that there's 122 kids in that school they're between the ages of three and six years old so it's a so that's a noisy a noisy pasta yes very very (laughs) noisy i i do i get the the sweats when i go down there because it's just too many children i'm kidding um but yeah it's a wonderful place and i think the thing is what we've seen over the years is not just that the children have excelled with with a great education because what ends up happening is that rather than that the parents can't afford good quality so the child actually just stays at home um, and then goes to grade one unprepared and we wonder why by grade four children can't read to understand but actually it started it started back when they were three or four or five and so a child who gets a good grade r is three times more likely to matriculate and so we're working on the matric pass rate you know 12 years from now yes and that's been amazing to see the children come in. They can't speak a word of English or, they, or they're just very, very shy and all those things. And suddenly they're just blossoming with life and education. But the wonderful thing is to see the parents yeah. who suddenly value education so much more because they've seen their children come alive with it. And we really encourage the parents to, to budget now for their child's primary school education as well. So, yeah, we have – so the parents pay fees to attend that school. It's just greatly reduced fees. But then we have about 30% of that school um, that's on sponsorship. So local individuals, companies, families actually sponsor a child's education at Urban Kids and so allows them to keep coming to school. And again, this is something our listeners could get involved Absolutely, in. Absolutely. Sponsoring yes. a child. Sponsoring a child. So in our in all three of the programs, people can actually sponsor. So people can sponsor a teacher to attend our teacher training program. They can sponsor a child in the school and they can adopt a cot in their baby's home. So that's where they, care, they help us care for one of our children in our baby's home. But all this information about how much and, yes. and how to do it is all on your website. Yes, absolutely. And uh, just to remind you, www.botshabelo, B-O-T-S-H-A-B-E-L-O.co.za. Hopefully Google will help you with the spelling if you can't get it right. <laughs> so there you are. Just go to the website and see how you can help. So it's a baby's home, a preschool, and then teacher training, which we're going to come to in a moment. But we're going to, because all of this is part of the circle of life. And that's your next choice, Lebo M. The wonderful Circle of Life, written by uh, Elton John and South African Lebo M. The choice of Michelle Hinrichsen, who's the managing director of Bochabelo, who's my guest in People of Note tonight. We were talking about your 
teachers. Yes. Um, and you said that you'd been down somewhere in the Midlands yes. uh, helping teachers. Just tell us a little bit about your teaching program. Great. So uh, what it is is basically training preschool teachers who are currently working in backyard creches how to teach better because they, they, they don't know how to manage their classrooms. They, they struggle with keeping their children in check. And actually what ends up happening is the children line the walls all day. They wait for breakfast time. They wait for toilet time. They wait for lunch time. They wait for their parents to come home. And with no stimulation. With no stimulation. And again, that, that statistic of a good grade R gets you gets you your matric. And and so we're going, actually, we've got to start somewhere down down a lot down. earlier than yeah. grade one. And the government is on this. They, they're really pushing for, for greater um, ECD in our country, early childhood development. But So what we do is we literally go in, we square the teacher's shoulders, we lift her chin and we say, you can do this. This is just how you do it. Here's the ice cream sticks you need for the painting project. Here's the Duplo you need to build the blocks. This is what your day should look like. We train the principals in business management because they're running a business. We train them in labor law, <laughs> how, how to, to treat your teachers fairly um, so that you don't keep losing them and we train the baby class, we train the baby class teacher as well as the three to four year old teacher and the grade R teacher. So we try and hit all of the teachers um, with training so that they can feel effective in what they're doing. Um, and the the thing about it is that our team went, went into a preschool and they looked in the eyes of the children and they realized that the love of learning had died in their eyes. And that's curiosity. And, and as adults, we should be learning too. We should still be curious. But I think when it dies when you're three, it's really hard to get back. And the other stat that's astounding is is... 90% of your brain development happens before you're seven. So before you even step into grade one, your brain is already 90% of the way there. And so if you're missing the primal pathways in, in preschool, you're going to struggle in grade one and all the way through. So what we do is we train them. We work in Olivenhoetbosch, which is a local township to us. We've worked there now since 2010. Um, and then we work further afield through our regional training where they come uh, eight times a year on a Saturday for a full day training. These are women who come, up to 70, 80 women that come. And basically we treat them like preschoolers <laughs> and teach them how they should treat their preschoolers. Um, and yeah, and so then we, so that's that's as far afield as Attridgeville and Pretoria. And then we also train in Limpopo where we have a satellite training center. So women, there's a school there that we've trained to train others. Um, yeah. So okay, we're going to hear more about this in a moment. But we're going to hear now the Pomp and Circumstance March by Edward Elgar. And that will take us up to seven o'clock. This is the Atlanta Symphony Orchestra. And welcome back to the second hour of People of Note on Classic 1027. This program is broadcast every Sunday from 6 to 8. And I'm talking tonight to Michelle Henriksen, who is the managing director of Bochabello, which is uh, an early childhood, a baby's home, an early childhood development center, and a teacher's center, which happens in Midrand near Olivenhoetbosch. Have you always been there, always based at that Urban yes. Life Church? Yes, we have. It's, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So our, our baby's home started there, and so that became our base. Um, and so as we've grown, we've reached further afield, but always been based there. Okay, so we've heard what it is that you do now, and we've given our listeners a chance to get involved. If they want to, they can go and look on the website, www.bochabelo.co.za. What is the longer-term strategy now? Because you're a mm. strategy person, oh. I can tell this. <laughs> and you told me. Yes. Um, because... Actually, we would, uh, first of all, we'd like to stop babies being abandoned, if yes. we could. Um, 
teaching is going to go on, whatever happens, because there are never any less kids, there are only ever more kids, but we need to develop more teachers. So your long-term strategy is... A long-term strategy is big dreams that we're hoping to achieve. So in a baby's home, um, that our heart there is to step into greater advocacy and linking hands with, with other organizations. There are organizations doing advocacy for the child abandonment and adoption um, reality in South Africa, and they're doing it really well. We want to link hands with them and help them. We're also, our, our goal and our heart and our dream is to one day help other babies' homes um, strengthen their systems because the the... I can say this about my team. They run the baby's home really, really well. And we often get people noting how well it's run. And so we'd love to help empower others to run their home with efficiency as well. And we've talked several times about the government wanting to have a good early childhood development program. Can you help them in some way? Because very often I feel that the government needs help. Yes, we'd love to do that. Yeah. We, the um, teacher training director, program director, always de- says that she wants to be Minister of Education so that she can start to do things. Um, though we know that that's not going to happen. I would love to help governments. It's it is it's a it's a tricky thing to get into and out of and uh, and properly handle. So if we have the opportunity, we'd love it. Are they open to being helped? Um, yes and no. I think it's it's. It's about who you know um, and what networks you have. And so with with our teacher training, our our heart at this stage is to keep strengthening ourselves so that in our network we become more and more able to take on more and more places that need training as well as organizations that we can then assist as well. I think we don't want to step into too much where we're not strong and and able to do because then you, you just fail people. So... The government is open to it. I think they need as much help as they can get. I think it's just they're in some ways so snowed under by the massive demands um, on DSD and the Department of Education that they're not sure where to turn, I think, sometimes. Um, and do you get funding from the state also? Not for our education programs, but for our baby's home, yes, we do. The yeah. So because obviously that's where money is to be unlocked. If yep. you need it, yeah. Yep. So with uh, our preschool that we run, yeah, you have to get registered with the uh, Department of Social Development to get a subsidy per child, um, which the, the preschools we're working with in townships also would like to do. But the requirements on that mean that they'll probably never actually yeah. get registered because these it's a backyard creche. It's out of an RDP house, and they've got 20 kids. And it's safe, maybe. And we've uh, through the work we do, we help renovations in the school. So we uh, corporate sponsors or groups come in and actually renovate the school building toilets and stuff. So we make sure that the place is safe, but the requirements to get registered are incredibly difficult and arduous for the preschools and very costly. You're looking 50 to 100 grand, and these are women who don't have that kind of money. Just to register them? Just to register, because they've got to do so much to get registered yeah. to get the subsidy. And, and so we kind of know that that's... It, for most of the schools we work with, it probably won't happen, um, which is why we try and do what we can to at least get them somewhere further along their journey. Your next choice is by Antonio Vivaldi. It's Spring from the Four Seasons. Spring from the Four Seasons by Antonio Vivaldi. And that's a very cheerful piece. And I bet you're glad that spring is coming around because I think the job that you do must be easier in the warmer weather rather than the colder weather. Yes, I love spring. And I do also think we always have to listen to happy music because sometimes it can get overwhelming facing need every day, all day. And so I do try and just broaden the landscape a little bit and listen to some happy things. And I hope that you have music in your centers as well. 
Yeah, we try. We even had a wonderful donor who brought um, musical instruments and came and trained our preschool teachers how to use the musical instruments effectively for the education of their students. And it apparently it was one of the best days they've ever had, and everybody just wanted more. So, Fantastic. yeah, it was. Yeah. And music is in- incredibly integral in in child in children's development. So I'm sure you know. Well, I do, and <laughs> and. Uh, my wife and I have a new grandchild who's a year old now, and we just see when she's with us how she soaks up everything that we can put in front of her yes. in terms of, you know, conversation and passing things <laughs> and passing them around and, yes. and looking at all the things that are around and books and so on. It's amazing how even at one year old, they're absorbing stuff prolifically absolutely yeah. those those first seven years are critical and even even under three is is even more so and yeah. so um, in our preschools that we work with there's loads of babies too um and so we're trying trying to train them how to stimulate a baby correctly in our baby's home we actually four years ago put a caregiver into the position of stimulation and development manager and her com- her sole role in the home is to make sure our children are meeting their milestones on time because in an institution like that it's a child is expected to be three months delayed which means if they'll crawl at nine months usually a baby in a children's home a ch- children's home will only crawl at one and no one worries and I think that's not fair these children deserve the very best and so no one ever says it but sometimes we let it slip and and we we think like well because they don't have a family of their own it doesn't really matter if the house looks bad or if they're not crawling when they're supposed to and we just said no so our our stimulation and development manager she's an incredible woman who does OT with the children um, and ensures that they are crawling when they should be and if they're not we know why and how to counteract it so because it really that those first few years of life are so critical. Yeah. Well, I've been amazed. I mean, we have children of our own, but I guess I was busy at the time when they were very little. So I don't uh, I don't remember those years away, but I see it now. Yes. And it's really incredible. They are. Uh, yeah. Maybe that's one of the things that helps me get through my job is that I am on the cute side. You know, those babies are so cute and cuddly. And when they come in so tiny and within a few weeks, they're putting on two, three, four hundred grams and, and they're, they're coming in just... Like we've had a baby who was born less than a kilogram. She was born at 900 grams. And she came to us at three months old after battling multiple um, issues in hospital. And within a week, she put on 200 grams, which for a baby, for those who don't know babies, is a massive amount of weight for a small baby. And so when they start to get cute and cuddly, it's so much easier to do that when you think, oh, these babies are so precious. So... So you're a real sucker for this. (laughs) I am. I do love what I do. (laughs) Well, and here was someone else, Maria from The Sound of Music, who loved what she did. And this is uh, the KZN Philharmonic. That was music from The Sound of Music, Rodgers and Hammerstein, played by the KZN Philharmonic under Naum Roussin. And just off air, Michelle Henriksen, who's my guest in People of Note, was saying, that you did a fundraiser once with The Sound of Music. Yes, we did. We collaborated with a couple of other MPOs, actually, and we bought all the seats in the Monte Cassino Teatro when they, when The Sound of Music was on there. And we they obviously give us an, uh, an ability to make money off that kind of thing by offering us discounted seats. And so we sold the theater out and raised some money all together with all the nonprofits through people buying tickets and coming to watch a show. I raised so, a lot. Yeah, I, it was, I think, 22 grand or something yeah. over the night. Um, and the other nonprofits also did really well. So it's an incredible thing. That's what I love is that the creativity that we get to play in. And hey, I mean, if you get to watch The Sound of Music for work, I mean, is there anything better? Oh, and that's all about <laughs> childhood development and teaching and 
and dealing with teenagers and exactly. all of that. So it's it's perfect. It's really just the circle of life. So it is. <laughs> so any ideas that uh, you can get for fundraising, you will consider. So I'm, I'm just thinking of our listeners now. Yes. If someone says, I've got an idea for fundraising, they can get hold of you and say, what about this? Absolutely. Absolutely. I love ideas. Um, I love to play around with ideas and see if it'll work. And yeah, the, we've done some really crazy things. We've done poetry evenings. We've done kids carnivals. We've done fun runs. There's all kinds of things that you can do to raise money. And we've had people who've had who've hosted their own events and donated. We've had people who donate their birthdays. So instead of receiving gifts for themselves, they receive them on our behalf. There's so many different ways that people can give. And I think lots of times we think, well, I don't have a lot of money. But oftentimes you're probably connected to a, a company that does, um, or perhaps you, you you have a group of people who would be willing to partake yeah. in some fun event. And so I do, it's not always out of our own wallet. Sometimes it's just out of our creativity. Sometimes well, it's out just- out of networks. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So here comes the Waltz of the Flowers. This is by Tchaikovsky from the Nutcracker Suite. Again, uh, something which involves lots of kids, the Slovak Philharmonic. That was the famous Waltz of the Flowers from the Nutcracker Suite by Tchaikovsky, the Slovak Philharmonic Orchestra under Michael Halash. It's the choice of Michelle Hinrichsen, who's my guest in People of Note. Michelle, I see on the uh, information sheet that I have here, there's a little thing at the bottom which says all donations qualify for SED points. Just just tell us what this is all about, because for businesses, this is quite important. Yeah, and I, I think for businesses and individuals. So we are a registered nonprofit, which means as an individual, it's all tax deductible, which means you pay less tax if you donate to a nonprofit. Um, but for businesses, we have a number of BEE options. So that is both socioeconomic development, which is that SED. Those are the easy points to get. You donate to charity and you get your points. We also have enterprise development options. So for a company who who, who may be struggling to find a way to meaningfully invest in another black owned business, we have a solution for that in that the preschools that we train um, are black female owned businesses in South Africa. And so if any investment into them is considered enterprise development, but the nice thing is that we do the hard yards of monitoring and mentoring. And so, yeah, for me, I've always said that it's an important thing for me that we as an organization can offer a return on an investment, whether an individual or company. I believe that we are not just a bleating sheep in the corner. We want to add value to our city, both to companies and to our beneficiaries. And so if we can give employee initiative opportunities or if we can give BE points or, or tax deductions or just stories, ways for people to understand I truly am making a difference. I want to offer a return on the investment in us because I don't I don't want just want to take. I believe that we as nonprofits can give just as much. So uh, again, are the details of this on your website? Yeah, it all yeah. is there. So yeah. there you are. If you want information about this, just go to the website because you can get something back from the money that you give in terms of either tax relief or BEE points yes. or whatever it is. So just go to the website, www.bocciabello.co.za, and all the information is there. Now, one of the things you dropped into the conversation earlier was that you were helping now in the Midlands in a school, mm -hmm. but also in Limpopo. Yes. Because Limpopo is a province of great need. Yes. Uh, probably not the greatest need, because I think the Eastern Cape remains sort of at the bottom of the pile. But just give us an idea of what you do in Limpopo. Yes, yeah, so it's actually really exciting that you ask. We have 
started what we call a satellite training center there. So we found a really great school with, with an incredible principal and teachers. And so they joined training with us for the last couple of years. And so now what's happened is that we are, have now set them up to train their surrounding preschools. So they have become a training center like we are in Midrand. Um, and this has all been set up and assisted by the teacher training program director, but also our Australian volunteer, Lorraine, who picked all our music um, with me. And and that's where it's teamwork is that she's actually set that up and we're training them and mentoring them on a weekly basis. In fact, Lorraine is there today um, ahead of training tomorrow. And so we ha- are reaching five preschools in Limpopo. It's a small start, but it's just launched where this year. Where is it? In Modimole. Yeah. So it's a preschool called Little Legends in Modimole, and she's now reaching five preschools around her. And really what we've done is gone. It's really grassroots development. So we're going in, she's doing it already, and we're just empowering her to do more. And if people, how much capacity have you got if people, I mean, if someone's listening to this program and they're involved in a program, let's say, in uh, the Northwest. Yes. And they're going to phone you and say, go to your website <laughs> and, and say, can you help us? What What is your capacity for help? So it, it depends largely on um, our staff resources as well as financial resources. So we can train, but we can't necessarily give equipment unless we have the resources to do that. Um, like for example, where we train in Hambrook and in KwaZulu Natal, the local guest house actually funds some of what we do down there, and so we were able to stretch into that because we had both the, the human and the financial resource. So I would always say, come and chat. Um, it's never a closed door. <laughs> well, there you are. So again, here's the website: www.botshabelo.co.za, and we're going to hear now cheerful and thankful music. This is the Shepherd's Song from the Pastoral Symphony by Beethoven. Music by Beethoven from the Symphony No. 6 in F major, the Pastoral Symphony, that was cheerful and thankful feelings after the storm, the London classical players under Sir Roger Norrington. And I'm sure you give cheerful and thankful Thanks. Once uh, the storm has passed, the storm of all these kids. But it's a pleasant storm because the rain has come down to earth and you've been able to grow people. Yeah. Are you able to track any of them once they leave? Because these kids are from, what, three to six? Yes. Then what happens? So then they move on into primary schools. Um, some into of state the, primary schools? It or, depends. Yeah. So sometimes government, sometimes uh, private. It just depends. Um, but most of the time it's into the local government schools around us that you have to pay for um, as much. It's probably the same price as what Urban Kids is. And, yeah, we sometimes, those who we're able to stay in touch with, we only hear rave reviews. So we've heard there's a few that are now reaching grade four, grade five, and they're top of their class still. And um, in fact, one one of the first students in Urban Kids ever has this year. He's just started at he started grade eight at Pretoria Boys High on a full scholarship with them, and it's credit to his parents for really fighting for his education and fighting to raise him in such a way that he really values his own education. And and so it's not all Urban Kids, but we do we are grateful that we were able to build into him something in those early years. Yeah. And. Each success is a success. Yes, exactly. Yeah. We'll yeah. celebrate them. We, I've even heard one of our teachers, her son attended our school, and he is in school, and she just said, he is the happiest kid now, and Fantastic. because of urban kids. And here was someone who had lots of children, Johann Sebastian Bach. He had 18, and, I mean, he should have had a school for himself. <laughs> but this is one wow. of his uh, Brandenburg concertos. 
wonderful and busy music from Johann Sebastian Bach. That was the Brandenburg Concerto Number no. 3 in G major, the CPE Bach Chamber Orchestra under Peter Schreier. And we're sort of getting towards the end of the program now, and I just want to tell you about uh, Michelle Hinrichsen, who's the managing director of this organization called Bocciabello, uh, which has a baby's home looking after, how many kids was it? Uh, up to 15. 15 yes, little babies, babies. Tiny babies. <laughs> and then an urban kids edu center, and you've got a, over 100 kids yeah. now in that, and then the training center for teachers, yes. for teachers in early childhood development. And I see here you're impacting 50 centers this year with training and resources. I mean, this is an amazing thing. Yeah, but it's actually slightly more than that now. It grows, um, I think, when I sleep. Exponentially. Um, <laughs> our, our statistics at the moment are that we're reaching um, just over 4,000 beneficiaries every week. Um, that's preschoolers, our babies, and the teachers. It's it's well over 165 women that we're training um, this year. And then it's, yeah, it's it's numerous children yeah. it's hard to it's we're saying 4000 we reach about 4000 preschoolers through all the teachers yeah, yeah, that yeah. we reach it's hard to count but we that's where we're at so it does feel staggering sometimes but it's it's something i really am grateful to be involved in that yeah. i can we can say we're actually making we're trying difference. to impact 4000 people thank you Absolutely. that's kind of you fantastic and you need some calm music every now and then. I'm sure what, when you're not doing this, how do you relax? How do I relax? I run after my one-year-old and my four-year-old. <laughs> and I try to just sit down as much as I can. Um, no, I, what do I do? I Honestly, at this stage, I've really just got about the bunch of time to hang out with my family yeah. at home um, and read books um, and watch a series that have nothing to do with with sad stories so that I can at least keep my head above water. Yeah. No, it's not that bad. Um, yeah, that's what I do. It's just well, kind of hang out. Now you can listen to some calm music. This is the <laughs> famous Air on a G-String by J.S. Bach. Wonderful calm music. That was the Air on G-String by Johann Sebastian Bach in a version by Jacques Lussier, the wonderful Jacques Lussier trio. And coming out later this year is Tim Clipace and his trio, very similar type of thing that they do with uh, Baroque music. They'll be coming to Baroque in the Bush. So for those of you who like that sort of thing, you should come to Baroque in the Bush also. And I see we're getting to the model of a uh, very model of a modern major general, which I'm sure you have to be in your business, <laughs> organizing everyone. Uh, my guest is Michelle Hinrichsen. And I'm just going to give you those details once more of her organization, which is in Midrand, near Olivenhout Bosch, and it's www.bocciabello.co.za, which is uh, a baby's home, urban kids' edu center, and a training center for teachers. So I want to thank you for coming in. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it's it. It's been a great pleasure. And here comes the model of a modern major general. <laughs> 